Lady from Day is an original novel adapted for radio. Lady from Day is written and produced by April Smith. Previously on Lady from Day, Rowan escorts Leah to breakfast where they try to pry information from the innkeeper. The innkeeper asks them to meet later at the town church. They find out more information and stumble upon a monk who helps lead them out of the church through secret passageways. Book 1. In the Halls of the King. Chapter 11. Harper Wood. The heather crashed down, creating several rainbows. The sound of the falls was like a mighty continuous thunderclap. A great thunderous roar welling up along with the misty spray greeted us angrily as we continued. We noticed carvings along the side of the path, carved into the rock wall. They were in crude form, but I managed to decipher the words. It was a poem. I read it aloud. Churning the rapid forms, heaving in twisting bodies, letting them squirm like worms, reaching to the sky for air, only a sip of its ironies, is to breathe what was taken for granted, and now considered fair. Taros the Bard, 963, The Battle of Warther Hill. The silence was eerie as we read the war. The inscriptions were at least 200 years old. They must have been referring to the war between Pharos and Kalos. Kalos broke off from Pharos in a civil war and lies to the southeast of Pharos and between Fenarion and Kragash. Farther down we noticed another engraving. It was a little harder to read. This time Rowan took the liberty to read it. Rainbows flutter from the sky, held up by a roaring cry. The liquid of life gush over the rock, pouring out to those who flock to watch the water of the world. Waters stop below to enjoy the pain, erosion cutting a stony vein. With closed eyes the blind can see, the inspiring sight of what could be, the might of a blanket of teardrops. Nessa, a part of Harbert Hare, 829. We walked on, the words still pounding their rhymes in our heads like the ever-falling wall of water next to us. Look around you, Leah. This is such a beautiful place. It's almost good that no one knows about it. I mean, it would certainly be crowded with people if they did. Sure, but most are too lazy to have to walk over here. Most are content with their simple lives and don't want any excitement. I do believe the gulags are enough for them. I started to trip on the rock, so I grabbed Rowan's hand to steady myself. So now you want to hold hands? I thought you didn't like me. I would have fallen. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Alright. Better be in front. That way, if you do trip, I can see you and keep you from falling. Hmm. I was, however, glad for his support. Many times down the path I stumbled, and he was there to stop me from careening over the edge. It seems my willingness to succumb to other people's guidance for once was a good thing. I suppose I'm really not unlike Siegfried in his stubbornness. After wrapping around the gorge's path, we found ourselves in a great wood. Massive evergreens and several oaks flew to the sky and the sun barely managed to reach our heads through the entwined branches of the mighty trees. There was a meadow in the distance with one solitary weeping willow tree. 
A large rock rose from the earth and carved upon it was the following. Willow's branches limply lie, a thousand faces can't deny. Worn splendor wrought from earth, a tiny seed the glory did birth. Faded bark and russet sap, finding water to ease the gap. Between the curse of aging thirst, in the time of something first. Millennia old it reaches the sky, but like all things it soon must die. Breaking into a thousand needs, that sing betwixt the yellow weeds. Shera, Guardian of the Wood, 583. Well, I can't imagine where we are, but it serves me to believe this is Harper Wood. Rowan sat down on a nearby rock and I joined him, exhausted from the dangerous trek to this place. The large stone was smooth, but cold to the touch. It was relaxing and cool after our hike from the tunnel exit. Why did they name it that? The name actually explains itself, but a long time ago when the Gorlaks didn't fiercely roam this area, the great musicians, artisans and bards would meet here. They would be joined by the finest woodcraftsmen. They would find one tree that suited their needs and cut it down, and after that they'd begin planting a new tree in its place. There was a celebration into planting a new one as well as the destruction of the old one. The craftsmen would use every piece of wood from their cut tree and make instruments, the most famous being the harp. No matter how many came from one tree, they were all wonderfully in tune. They never had to be tuned, and you see, as a harpist, that was a wonderful thing, having a chorus of harps that were perfectly in tune with each other. So they named the place Harper Wood, and it has been a sanctuary for musicians and bards together ever since. But of course, with the Gorlax patrolling the area, only people like us managed to enter. Rogues. What a pity. A beautiful place like this should be open for everyone, and not just musicians. Yes, I do agree. Unfortunately, I can't do much about it. Somehow, we need to run the Gorlax out. It's not like Krakash is the nicest country. They don't live richly. But with them, a hazard to the lifestyles of my people, I just can't have them living, you know? What? You mean you're just going to kill them all off? <laughs> no, oh no. No, I'm sorry. I meant I can't have them living here. <laughs> The problem is, though, I don't know what to do with them. There are so many, and I can't have them in our dungeons, although I know some aren't savage either. I was actually thinking of where to put them. Alazonia won't have them, and neither will Kyrie, I'm sure. Faerys is still having problems due to my sister, and we can't possibly let them stay in Krakash. Krakash is their land, though. They just enter ours to get what they want or need. They don't ask for anything, they just take it. If they weren't so violent, I wouldn't care where they went. I'm at an impasse, if you know what I mean. Why do I have to figure all of this out? You do have a father, you know. Yes, but he doesn't even really do much ruling anymore. For example, the men I have are not the best to work with. They have their own ideas and such, and they didn't go through much training to get where they are now. My father has been so focused on my mother and sister that I think he has quite forgotten about the rest of the world. And sometimes I even think he cares more about my sister's well-being than the kingdom she loves so much. He is getting old and no one can expect him to rule forever. They expect me to. Well, not forever, you know what I mean. You'll do just fine. <laughs> Thanks, I needed that. 
Nothing better than a little kindness to keep me going. <laughs> Speaking of which, we might do so. We must find Sig back at town, which is over there. <laughs> I learned at a young age how to tell directions. Long story. <laughs> yes. Well, how long will it take to get back to town? Ah, long enough for me to tell you. <laughs> Let's see. I was very young. When I was five years old, I thought I was old enough to do anything. I had no brothers, of course, to do manly things with. I mean, no one to play swords and sticks with. <laughs> but I also had no real playmates as a child. My father wasn't much of a figure for me either, since he was caught up into the affairs of the state so much. Anyways, I decided I wanted to do something adventurous, so I wandered away from the castle. You were five? I didn't even leave my parents' home until I was in my early teen years. I wandered around, of course, but not to another province. The thought of a mere child going into Gulag territory was almost horrific. It was amazing that they had gotten their hands on the child. He would have had a chance of survival because he was royal, but usually children found by Gulags turned into slaves of the lowest stature. <laughs> yes, I was indeed very young. Of course, my parents never told me about the Gulags the way they are heard of now. They just told me when I went to bed that if I didn't behave and stay in bed, the Gulags would get me. I went through the castle and no one ever mentioned the Gulags. And they of course knew I was too young and I wouldn't understand the things they talked about even if they tried to explain it. Also, they didn't think I would go out of the castle, not even considering that I might wander out of the province. <laughs> oh, did I fool them. So you just left? You didn't take anything with you? No food or clothing? This young man called Rowan was starting to make an impression on me. He was one of the few people I now knew to possess the gift of being able to capture an audience. He was actually interesting to listen to. I could sit and listen to him talk in his wonderful tenor tones forever, though sometimes it was a struggle to stay awake. I smiled at the thought and looked at him for his response. Well, no, of course I didn't. I mean, I was only five. Well, yes, I did have clothes on, but the thought of food did not pass through my childish mind. I went to about the swamps, reaching them, and then I realized I was severely hungry. I never knew what it felt like to be starving, and let me tell you, I did not enjoy the sensation. Thank goodness I had a tendency to wander through the kitchens back in the castle. When I was little like that, they didn't care if I entered or not. I would fall asleep by the great fires of the cooks, just listening to them talk about their herb gardens and harvesting wild plants in the forest nearby. I guess I must have picked up a few tricks or something, because in the end I found a few berry bushes. And I know you know there isn't a whole lot of vegetation in there besides the great trees. After I relinquished the threat of dying of hunger, I realized I could easily die from the lack of drink. As you also know, there are no fresh water sources in the swamp. But I managed just fine. I found a large leaf on the ground, one that wasn't crisp with age, but a freshly fallen one and I used it as a catcher for the dew. I was quite a resourceful child. <laughs> yes, you were. I never did anything like that as a child. <laughs> I was a good little girl. Well, until I was ten anyway. But that's my story. Oh, pardon me. Please continue, Prince Rowan. Your Highness, sir. 
Oh, good grief. Rowan will do fine as a name. It's something I can remember, at least. Now, where was I? Ah, yes, the dew. With the dew came the sun. Oh, that reminds me of Kyrie. Uh, But that's a different story. Um, The sun always rises from the east, and it sets in the west. Thankfully, I paid attention to my royal tutor. I can remember going to see him easily in the morning and ask him why the sun always woke me up every morning, just shining through the castle windows. My sister Dashiell, only three, would always sleep through the time when the sun would enter a window. That, of course, has remained. Because of her eating disability, she doesn't need food when sleeping. The location of her room, however, only allows for one window, one that doesn't let much sunlight in. But I am rattling on again, aren't I? As I was saying, my tutor would point me to the sun and say, Prince Rowan, the sun, like the moon, remains constant. Each day it rises from the east, near the land of Craigash, to the west and the land of Kyrie. The world is blessed with both its presence and absence. The rain gives us fertility, and the light from the sun helps the plants to grow. While noticing the sun, it came clear how the moss grew on the trees. Uh, To the north, there was significantly more moss than anywhere else on the tree. And using that, I eventually found my way back out of the forest and back home. Let me tell you, my father was not in a good mood. He was extremely distraught at my disappearance, me being his heir and only son. Uh, Though I'm sure Dashiell is capable of being a ruler as well. In fact, I'd rather let her rule than me. Sure, I'm good at settling out disputes, but I don't want to run a whole nation. The burden of service must be great on Rowan's father, just like the one I'm carrying, to help free his daughter from the fairy spell, I thought. Our footsteps lightened with the sound of the village in our ears. Apparently, Rowan's youthful adventure had paid off now. As we grew closer to the village, the trees which grew so impressively overhead were now almost figments of our imagination. Now the expansive forest was just a few five-foot-tall evergreens and a sapling or two. At the very edge was another stone. This was much smaller than the one at the entrance of Harper Wood, and it read, Dare to be different, dare to be new. Don't be someone else, only be you. See the world as it was meant to be seen. From your point of view, it's only a dream. Risa, Guardian of the Wood, 842. The inspiring words made us move on faster out of the wood. As we approached the village, all the pretensions of not getting our deed done vanished. Our spirits, as well as our bodies, were renewed with new determination. Leah is played by Sophie Neveu. Rowan is played by Faye Thorne. For other casts and credits, please visit www.ladyfromday.com. That's www.ladyfromday.com. Join us next time for the continuing story of Lady From Day.